Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, December 22nd. I'm Lorraine Gasteres. These are today's headlines. 115,000 people are hospitalized here in the U.S. as the United Kingdom faces increased isolation because of the new coronavirus variant discovered there. Experts now scrambling to determine what implications that mutation could have on coronavirus vaccines. Plus, on Capitol Hill, a major stimulus bill. Moving ahead after gaining congressional approval, President Trump expected to sign the $900 billion measure, which includes direct payments to Americans hit hard by the pandemic. And families skeptical, will the stimulus bill be enough as many struggle to pay their bills and turn to food banks for help feeding their families? This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. The U.S. has more than COVID patients than ever before. The Los Angeles County in crisis and New York taking measures to prevent the new strain in the U.K. from reaching its borders. Meanwhile, vaccinations continue. The first doses of Moderna's vaccine already being administered. The U.S. on Monday reporting a record-breaking number of hospitalizations, more than 115,000 patients being treated nationwide for COVID-19. The situation critical in Los Angeles, the county reporting over 11,000 new cases and more than 5,700 hospitalizations, the highest daily number since the start of the pandemic. Right now, my ICU looks like an absolute war zone. My ICU is over capacity with COVID patients right now. And we just don't, there's no, no end in sight. On the East Coast, New York taking steps to protect its borders from the new strain of COVID-19 being reported in the UK. Governor Andrew Cuomo not waiting for the federal government to take action and instead requesting that major airlines require passengers to test negative for COVID-19 before boarding flights from the UK to New York. British Airways Delta and Virgin Atlantic already agreeing and will be implementing on Christmas. Eve. We have been victimized by federal incompetence and federal negligence. That is a fact. And we're not going to be victimized again. But health officials here don't seem to be alarmed by the strain. It is not any more lethal or any more dangerous than the normal coronavirus. Viruses mutate. It's what they do. SARS-CoV-2, which is the virus which causes COVID-19, has mutated dozens of times already this year. That doesn't mean it's more dangerous. It doesn't mean it's more contagious. Meanwhile, phase one of vaccinations continues nationwide. Healthcare workers getting their first doses of the Moderna vaccine. Dr. Anthony Fauci and Secretary of Health and Human Services Alex Azar also getting Moderna's vaccine today. On Monday, President-elect Biden getting the Pfizer vaccine as cameras rolled, thanking all the scientists, clinical trial volunteers, and President Trump. What I want to say is we owe these folks an awful lot. The scientists and the people who uh, put this together, the frontline workers, the people who were the ones who actually did the clinical work, it's just amazing. And I wish we had time to take you through the whole hospital to see how busy and incredible you all are. And uh, we owe you big. We really do. And uh, one of the things is that I think that uh, the administration deserves some credit getting this off the ground with Operation Warp Speed. 
The new strain of COVID-19 is already being reported in Australia, Iceland, Italy, the Netherlands and Denmark. And Pfizer and Moderna say they are testing to see if their vaccines work against the new COVID-19 strain. The virus variant has been found in the UK and other countries. Moderna says it believes its vaccine would protect against the mutation, but they are doing additional tests in the coming weeks to confirm. Pfizer is generating data from blood samples of those already injected with their vaccine to see if it works against the new strain. COVID-19 has mutated before, and both companies say their vaccines worked against those variations. But researchers who are examining the new strain in the UK are concerned that it could diminish the effectiveness of the vaccines. Pfizer and Moderna make the only two coronavirus vaccines that have been authorized by the U.S. so far. And joining us now is Dr. Payal Patel. She's an infectious disease physician at the University of Michigan. Thanks for being here, Dr. Patel. Viruses often mutate, as we just reported, but what are you concerned about regarding this new variant? Yeah, I think that we're still learning a lot about the virus and the mutations, but we know that there have been mutations before. Some things don't change. We know that social distancing and wearing a mask still work. And there is evidence that the vaccines will work with this new mutation as well. So I wouldn't change what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Dr. Patel, the question on so many people's mind is, will the vaccine still be effective? What do we know so far? You already addressed there's evidence they will work. But what do we know data-wise so far? There's very little data so far because we're so early in the game. I'm one of the first people to have been vaccinated and I still haven't gotten my second dose yet. Um, that's why it's really important right now that we kind of continue what we've been doing these last few months to protect ourselves and our families. But I would say we think that because we know some mutations do occur with many viruses, that the vaccines have been shown to be quite effective to this point. I think at the worst case scenario, it could be that the vaccines lose some effectiveness, but it will still be very important for people to get vaccinated because it would be better to be vaccinated against this new strain than to not be vaccinated. Dr. Anthony Fauci says it's possible this new variant is already in the U.S. How soon will we know that for a fact? Yeah, that's a great question. There's evidence that this variant has actually been out since September, and we know that people are often traveling between the countries even during the pandemic. And if you think about how many times your listeners and watchers have been tested, we don't do genetic testing on everyone that gets diagnosed with COVID-19. Now that we know about this new variant, scientists will be looking more closely at what types of the virus are causing disease. But even if it's not the new variant. We know that in many hospitals, the variant that we already had in the United States is still causing a lot of disease. So it's a time to be worried even without knowing whether the UK variant is causing a significant amount of disease in the US yet. And doctor, this is what the United Kingdom's chief government scientist said about the variants on Monday. Let's listen. I think it is likely that this will grow in num numbers of the variant across the country. And I think it's likely, therefore, that measures that need, to, need to be increased in some places in due course, not, uh, not reduced. So I think it is a, a case that this will spread more. 
Do you think U.S. cities are going to be forced to take stricter lockdown measures as well? It's a good question. You know, I think some of the measures that have gone into place in London and in the UK are because of how quickly they've seen this new variant spread. They know that it's not going to be able to stop the spread, but the hope is to delay and weaken how quickly it's spreading. After we know more about what's going on in the US in terms of what people are sick with, we would know a little bit more. But I would say even without knowing that information, we know that many hospitals are near capacity right now, and we should try to go easy on our families and healthcare workers and try to avoid any more people getting sick and getting into the hospital with COVID. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Payal Patel, infectious disease physician at the University of Michigan. Thank you. And now moving on to the stimulus bill. Congress passed a $900 billion coronavirus relief package that includes another round of stimulus checks for many Americans. The White House saying those checks could arrive as early as next week. Edwin Piti has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin? Hi, Lorraine. After months of stock negotiations, Congress finally approves a huge spending package and sends the economic relief measures for President Trump to sign. We are talking about an almost 6,000 pages bill that had to be reviewed quickly by the House and the Senate before being approved. Besides the emergency economic relief, it includes government funding and tax cuts, making it the largest piece of legislation ever approved by Congress for President Trump to enact. Now, focusing on the stimulus bill, it includes a second round of checks for $600 for those making below $75,000 a year, the extension of unemployment benefits of $300 a week, $284 billion for small businesses loans, $28 billion for vaccines distribution, and the extension of the eviction moratorium. Let's take a listen to what the leadership in Congress had to say. None of us think any of this legislation is perfect. But a big bipartisan majority of us recognize the incredible amount of good it will do when we send it to the president's desk. It is a good bipartisan bill that addresses the food needs of the American people. Maybe 15 million children are food insecure in our country. It is important to know that this time mixed status immigrant families are eligible for the $600 stimulus checks. Also, the new compromise retroactively make mixed status families with one social security number holder eligible for the $1,200 per household and $500 per child checks allocated by the CARES Act back in March. Meanwhile, President-elect Joe Biden said this bill is like the down payment towards the total of the help that Americans need. Biden tweeted, and I quote, I applaud the relief package, but our work is far from over. Starting in the new year, Congress will need to immediately get the work to support our COVID-19 plan. My message to everybody out there struggling right now, help is on the way. And now Lorraine is just a waiting game. President Trump could sign the bill at any moment now, and by next week, Americans could expect the money. Live in Washington, D.C., Lorraine, back to you. That is very great news. Thank you so much, Edwin, for that live report. And Biden appears to be ready to name his education secretary. Sources say he's planning to nominate Miguel Cardona. 
He's the education commissioner in Connecticut and a former elementary school teacher. The Biden administration has a goal of reopening most schools in the U.S. within the first 100 days in office. Cardona has been vocal about children needing to be in class, saying too many are falling behind. If the Senate confirms Cardona, he'll be another high-profile Latino in Biden's cabinet. A formal announcement could come as early as Wednesday. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The effects of COVID-19 will be felt for decades to come. Both parties are very far apart. Approximately 250,000 people have lost their lives. You news covers the news of your world. It makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. A top Senate Democrat says Russia targeted Treasury Department emails with a hack. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon says the Finance Committee was briefed by Treasury and IRS officials. They say the breach appears to be significant. Wyden says it started in July, but they still don't know the full scope of the hack. Microsoft says a dozens of Treasury emails were compromised. Wyden didn't say if the Treasury Secretary was impacted. The suspected Russian malware was part of the hack that was reported last week, targeting a number of departments of the federal government. Last week, President Trump downplayed the cyber attack, despite administration officials saying it poses a grave risk. And meanwhile, a former COVID data analyst is suing the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. She claims a police raid on her home was payback for whistleblowing. Rebecca Jones says the FDLE violated her First Amendment rights and unlawfully took her computers, cell phone and storage devices on December 7th. According to the search warrant, investigators say Jones accessed a state messaging system without authorization to call on state officials to speak about the coronavirus deaths. Jones denies the allegation. She says the Florida Department of Health fired her in May because she wouldn't falsify data. Jones filed a whistleblower complaint in July, and that case is still pending. The FDLE commissioner says his agents acted properly. And President Trump creating a stir in the architecture world with his new executive order. Monday, the president signed an order calling for federal buildings to feature, quote, beautiful architecture. It applies to all federal courthouses, agency headquarters, and other public buildings, costing more than $50 million. The order did not explicitly define what is considered beautiful, but shows a reference for classical architecture over modernist designs. In a statement, the American Institute of Architects said it unequivocally opposes the order, but is happy it is not as far-reaching as previously thought. Meanwhile, the coronavirus impacting virtually every aspect of the economy. Long food lines are now all too familiar across the country. Hunger is skyrocketing in the United States and Feeding America, the nation's largest food bank network, is reporting a 60 percent increase in demand over the last year. And joining us now to talk about this is Suani Villarreal. She's a director of communications at Feeding America. Thanks for being here, Suani. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Can you talk to us about the rise in demand at food banks? What are you seeing compared to previous years? This year has been like no other for food banks across the country. Our network is 200 food banks strong. 
serving all 50 states, Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico. But never in our history as a network have we seen something that has impacted so many food banks across the country so quickly. Um, before the pandemic, there was about 35 million people that were food insecure. And now in the wake of the pandemic, because of the economic crisis, we suspect that there may be up to 50 million people in the U.S. that are facing hunger. Swanee, Congress finally approved a much needed relief package. Most Americans are expected to receive $600 checks and $300 in supplemental unemployment benefits. In your opinion, is this enough? We see this as a down payment. We see this as a down payment to help families because we know it'll be a long-term recovery. From what we understand and what we know from the past, it took about 10 years for food insecurity levels to revert back to pre-recession levels during the Great Recession. We know that families are not going to be starting from where they were at the beginning of 2020. They will have used up savings. They will have used up, uh, maxed out their credit cards and everything to get to the point that gets them to align at a food bank. We know families are doing everything they can, but they are going to be starting much farther behind after the pandemic is over. Our recovery will be long, and we know that this right now um, is much needed, um, but it's only the beginning. We know the pandemic has disproportionately affected Black and Latino communities. Do you see this reflected on who is lining up at food banks as well? Absolutely. Well, four in 10 of the families that are coming to food banks for help had never needed help before. So we are seeing families that were, sometimes they were volunteers or donors at food banks that are now finding themselves seeking help from the food bank themselves. Many families in the U.S. live paycheck to paycheck. They may be making a good living, um, living a good life, but living that paycheck to paycheck um, makes them very fragile to some kind of crisis in their lives, like an economic crisis. Um, Latino communities and Black communities are more disproportionately impacted by food insecurity. That was true before the pandemic. Latinos are two, in the, two times more likely to live in a food insecure household in the U.S. Um, and the economic crisis and the jobs and the industries that it has affected, the service industry, travel and leisure, um, have higher proportions of uh, Black and Latinos in them. So they are more impacted for sure. Swani, are there regions of the country more impacted than others? And if so, where do you see the most need? Well, the pandemic has only exacerbated regions of the country that were more that were already facing food insecurity. So the rural country, rural communities and the South have always had higher uh, rates of food insecurity. But what is interesting with the pandemic and the industries that it has affected more, uh, we've seen some states that were highly impacted, such as Nevada and New Jersey and Atlantic City. Florida with Orlando and every all the tourism that happens there. Those are communities that have seen a higher impact because of the pandemic. Bonnie, for people who want to help or volunteer their time, what's the best way they can do so? The best way to connect and help uh, this hunger crisis is to go to feedingamerica.org. Our website has a donation button. It also has a food bank locator. So if you can make a donation, you can. If you want to reach out to your local food bank, you can use your zip code and get connected to your local food bank. Find out what they need in your community, whether it is um, volunteers, whether they're doing a food collection, or they, they simply need financial donations as well. We encourage people to connect to their local food bank. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Suani Villarreal of Feeding America. Thank you, Lorraine.
And immigration news, an immigrant couple was free to leave Pennsylvania Church on Monday after two years using it as a sanctuary. Oneta and Clive Thompson stepped outside of Tabernacle United Church in West Philadelphia for the first time in 843 days. This after they received a letter from U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement saying the agency will support their case to stay in this country. The couple came to the U.S. 15 years ago after they fled gang violence in Jamaica. They began to hide in the church's basement after they lost their asylum case and ICE ordered them deported. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.